I think education is changing. Education online is changing. And I think we have to figure out how to keep doing the good things we've done because there's still going to be corporate-based training. There's still going to be lots of other things. But also, how do you embrace where the world moves and how do you support that? Right now, what you find is a lot of people that are building a course also have a Facebook group, also have a Circle SO group, also have a Buddy Boss group, also have a something like their Slack group. They're creating community somewhere else. Hey, Bob WP here, and welcome to Do the Woo, the WooCommerce Builder Podcast, episode 173. This show is brought to you by Yith Plugins at yiththemes.com and 10ups Elastic Press Search at elasticpress.io. So let's join co hosts Robert Jacoby and Robbie Adair for another Woo Biz Chat. Uh, we're really excited today. We're going to talk about a subject that is near and dear to my heart, which is MMSs, uh, and plus other things, obviously, and all relating that to Woo. Uh, so my, uh, and by the way, I'm Robbie Adair. Should have introduced myself, I suppose, so you know who you're even listening to here. And then my co-host is Robert Jacoby. Robert, who have we got on to talk to about this particular subject? Oh, I've been waiting to talk to this person for, for a while. Not that I haven't seen him for weeks and weeks over the summer. Uh, today we have Chris Lemma, product development at VP of product development at Liquid Web, as well as the new GM of LearnDash. Uh, he's a man of many hats, and if you could see him now, he's got one on per usual. Welcome, Chris. Thanks. It's great to be here. Awesome. Well, Chris, um, and I know you're you're very well versed, not just in that LMS, but others as well. So I think that. It, you make an ideal candidate here to talk about this subject. And as well as we know, you really know WooCommerce as well. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit here um, about integrating your LMS and WooCommerce. And just give us kind of, now, I know LearnDash has added a lot of features on their groups, as well as even has added some e-commerce. But most people, I still feel like, or myself and people that I know they're using LearnDash, um, we still use WooCommerce for the e-commerce part of that, just because it opens us up to more things, correct? So what is your take on, and I know you're new to LearnDash as far as where the direction is going and all that, but do you see the e-commerce side of LearnDash growing more or just more ways that it works with WooCommerce uh, going forward for e-commerce? So I think the answer uh, is exactly what you'd imagine, which is both. So we have segments who, uh, customer segments who absolutely love and, you know, we would have to tear it out of their um, cold fingers uh, if we if we tried to say, oh, you don't need WooCommerce, right? They love WooCommerce. They love the integration with WooCommerce because, as you said, there's so much you can do with it, right? You can uh, hundreds of payment gateways all across the globe that aren't exactly what happens if you're using PayPal or if you're using Stripe, um, which we have support for natively, right? And so if you're if you're in one of those places where you need, you know, a, a custom payment gateway, or if you need other things, right? Uh, we support through partners the ability to buy in bulk, but buying in bulk is only one model of putting a lot of people into a course. You also have the model of uh, putting them into groups after they've enrolled, right? And so that's with our group functionality, and that's another approach. But there's there's a third approach, right, which is the I offer a course 
And I say, here's a one seat license. Here's a five seat license. Here's a 10 seat license. And there's still one buyer, right? And they're buying a five seat or a 10 seat and they want the process to work. And, um, and WooCommerce does that better than just about anything, right? And so the ability to uh, leverage WooCommerce, leverage subscriptions if you want to do installment payments, leverage membership if you want to protect not just the LMS, but protected areas of the website where you might have additional downloads or bonus videos or anything else. WooCommerce makes all of that very possible. And uh, so I don't think there's any doubt that we will continue to embrace and move forward with uh, WooCommerce and the integrations there, while at the same time um, evolving the the platform for the segments that uh, may not need payment at all, right? And so uh, if you're a corporate trainer, you're not charging people for anything. You're, you're like, I, I set this up for my company and my employees sh- should, you know, just log in and be able to take courses and, and I don't I don't need anything that comes from an e-commerce part of the platform. And so we want to support all the segments that use LearnDash and all the ones that want to. I, I mean, I, I love that you brought up the corporate segment. Uh, it That's actually where I got my feet wet in the whole internet sphere. And you actually even had a post about sort of the history of learning and your uh, learning technology and your experiences with that uh, probably about a month or two ago. And it was it was great to see you mentioning standards like SCORM and I remember even pre-SCORM, it was AICC when it was just an aviation standard. And, you know, I love how those are kind of open standards. Now you're, you know, expanding upon that with open tools. Uh, I know you're a, a person of many frameworks. What, what's the, the, the LMS learning framework look like, you know, over the next, you know, let's say three years? Well, I think the thing that, you got to embrace, and this is true for, for any space or industry, is that the world is changing and evolving, right? What we saw in during COVID was a massive, massive growth in online learning across the board, not just LearnDash, everywhere. And um, high adoption and rapid adoption uh, and, and pivots in organizations that at one point were doing physical events and suddenly changed them to online events and then turned them into online long-term academies and then online courses and everything under the sun, plus individual folks who were like, hey, I'm a domain expert and I I just want to put my stuff online, right? So we have we have domain experts that are creating courses. We have corporations that are doing online and, and, and corporate training. We have uh, freelancers as well as agencies that are building a single course or a course marketplace. And all of those things are over time adjusting. In the last year, year and a half, we saw a lot of movement. Um, I sat with a group of friends talking about where where the, the education space was adjusting. This is before I knew... Uh, that I was, I was going to step into that we were going to acquire, and then I would step into a different role with LearnDash. But um, about five months ago, right, I sat with Justin, who's the you know co-founder and uh, the the former uh, guy who ran LearnDash, and I said, "Okay, you got the first phase of online learning, which is the universities just getting course course stuff out the door, right? The MITs, the Stanford's." All sorts of solutions that were just like, let's take this and put it out. But they're not looking to make money. 
they weren't monetizing it. The instructors were already being paid because they were course instructors for the university. Um, they weren't trying to make a living on it. You have all phase one, right? And a lot of that was us trying to figure out the technology to make that even possible, right? Um, and then we move into phase two. And in phase two, it was all about trying to uh, make a platform that works for educators, right? Trying to create the ability to make it so they could make money. So how do you charge for things? And and how do you uh, spin up uh, websites to sell it, right? And, and websites to host all your learning. And so phase two was pretty long. And we went from uh, the earliest of plugins like LearnDash to hosted SaaS platforms like Teachable and Teachery and Thinkific and eventually Podia. Now today, Samcart, right? Like everybody and their brother figuring out how to make it so that people who want to sell their skill can do that. But what we discovered in the midst of that was that suddenly someone who was really good at calligraphy and could t- teach a really great course on calligraphy also had to be an internet marketer, also had to create landing pages, also had to create websites, also had to set up payment gateways, also had to have a Stripe account, also had to have an ability to do email marketing and marketing automation and tagging customers. And they're like, I just knew calligraphy. Like, how did I get into this space? And on the on the student side, what we've seen is is dramatic adoption of buying a course and dramatic non-completion of a course, right? Um, your brain fires off a set of chemicals when you uh, when you when you buy the course with the anticipation of the fact that you're now going to have the course. So you get a dopamine hit. Uh, just like you were in Vegas and doing a slot machine, you get a dopamine hit the moment you buy the course. And m- for most people, the dopamine hit is all th- all they need and they're done. So they literally never log in, never take the course, never complete anything because they got the dopamine hit that they would have gotten when they completed it with the anticipation of the certificate. They got it when they bought it. I, I don't know if if you know people that buy books and then put it on their shelf, right? And then they walk back into a Barnes and Noble. And for for some of your listeners, they may not know what a Barnes and Noble is, but it, it's like Amazon, but in a physical building. And what a book is? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like a PDF, but it's actually printed. And so, um, what what happens is, I was I sat with Justin five months ago, and I just said, "Hey, the third wave of this online education is is going to be cohort." It's going to be community. We're going to hear community, community, community everywhere. Um, but what it really is, is about positive peer pressure. Positive peer pressure is the little text group that, you know, if if Robert and I and 20, 50 other people are all at Cobble Press and someone texts and says, hey, I'm going to go for a run today. Now, I may not go for the run. Someone else may not go for the run. There's someone who reads that and goes, ah, I'm on the fence. And then Robert goes, hey, I'm going to go for the run. And then someone else goes, oh, well, then if Robert's going to go, then I'm going to go, right? And that positive peer pressure is the other side of the peer pressure game that our parents taught us about, right? You know, if, you're, if your friends are smoking, are you going to smoke? If your friends jump off a cliff, are you going to jump off a cliff? But they never talked about, like, if your friends dress well, are you going to dress well? If your friends keep their rooms clean and you visit them and you're like, wow, do you want to keep your room clean? There's a positive side to peer pressure. And... That's what cohort-based learning does is it gets you in a little team where the team goes, hey, I finished my assignment. Oh, good. Then I'm going to finish my assignment. Oh, I want to review your assignment. Can you review my assignment? 
But all of that is community, it's engagement, it's interaction. What we know is it drives completion. And if you care about people getting to the end of something, um, then the cohort stuff's going to be important. So I think education is changing. Education online is changing. And I think we have to figure out how to keep doing the good things we've done because there's still going to be corporate-based training. There's still going to be lots of other things. But also, how do you embrace where the world moves and how do you support that? Right now, what you find is a lot of people that are building a course also have a Facebook group, also have a Circle SO group, also have a Buddy Boss group, also have a something like their Slack group. They're creating community somewhere else, right? Um, and I think one of the questions has to be, well, does it have to be somewhere else or can it be part of this? And so we'll, I think we'll be looking at that question. I, I was going to say, but, oh, 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 so this is really, this really, you're, you're just, you're like literally talking, I feel like right to me, Chris, because with OS training, we're working on our new site, right? And that literally our idea was, you know, the same thing. We see a lot of people who sign up and they may take a course or they may take a lesson and then they just, they don't, they don't complete and so that's our our new site has community built into it called the OS Tribe. So it has community built in there because I, my thought was, I was like, you know, there's a lot of books I would have never, ever in a million re- years read if I wasn't in a book club. So what if I was in a course club and we just all talked about this course, you know? And so that's where we were like, you know, we just need, you do need that peer pressure as it were, I guess we shouldn't call it that. We should call it peer support maybe instead of pressure, but that is pressure really. <laughs> Especially if Robert's in the in the group, <laughs> you know, going back, training's always had that sort of carrot and stick moment. At least, certainly in the enterprise, where it's like, oh, you know, if you uh, finish this course on Lotus Notes, if anyone in the audience remembers Lotus Notes, yeah, you'll get you'll get to upgrade to the new version. Well, I'm fine with the old version, but IT has to upgrade across the enterprise. So now you'll be locked out of your computer if you don't actually complete the course. So there's that adoption and completion is, is, has always been a huge, huge issue. And, you know, from the enterprise down to what you're talking about, you know, calligraphy, I might think that taking calligraphy is the coolest thing I could do, write some nice little letters for the holidays. So I get the course and then, yeah, I fall asleep. Um, Cause I don't have that sort of reminder or thing like, Oh, by the way, you know, you, you did pay a hundred bucks for this. You probably should actually <laughs> figure it out. Well, and here's the thing is that, that courses aren't all costing a hundred bucks, right? So what happens is you have this wave of people that are offering incredible value, right? Here's my six lesson course, plus three bonuses, plus two PDFs, plus a starter template pack. Here's everything you ever needed for $17 on an ad on Facebook, right? And so you buy it, but you buy it on a Saturday while you're watching college football and you're like, oh, you're scrolling and you're like, that's interesting. That's I've I've wanted to learn that. So you pay the $17, but the $17, it's not a life commitment. So on Monday morning, when I wake up and I get the six emails from them saying, here's your login, here's your password, here's your onboarding, here's your receipt. Hey, uh, this is the CEO, and I'm just naturally writing you to tell you about all this stuff. And you're like, no, you're not. It's an automated marketing campaign. And I know that you're going to send me three more emails in the next five days. They do all that. And I just go select, 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 mark is red file it. It's Monday. I got work to do. Right. And it just, it's $17. I'll never get back. Right. And so you got to do something different, right? You got to figure out how do you engage that customer? um, How do you remove a lot of the friction? um, And at the same time, how do you engage the builder, the, the, the person who's creating that course 
to help them get a course launched sooner than what we do today, right? And and I don't care if you're using Lifter LMS, uh, Learn Dash, Podia, Access Ally, uh, a- anybody. The problem is not technical, right? The core of the problem is that people go, huh, now I have to create a 32 lesson course. And you're like, or six, you could try six, six right? Um, Robert and I have a friend in common who has created a course and, uh, and she and I were talking just a few weeks ago where she said, well, I, I have a free course and then I have a paid course and nobody's moving from my free course to my paid course. And I said, how many lessons are in your free course? And she said, you know, I, I don't remember what the number was, but it was like 25. And how many are in your, in your paid course? Like 45, right? And I go, well, I submit to you that your 25 is probably overkill. Like your free course could have been four and then your paid course could have been 20 and we would have been fine, right? People don't want to know everything you know. They only want to know what they want to know. And every course instructor in the world thinks I'm trying, I'm a domain expert. I'm trying to create a domain expert. But on the other side, when we buy a course, we're like, ah, I don't want to be a domain expert, right? I just want to know how to do this one thing, right? And so how do you help course creators create smaller courses, more fine-tuned courses, allow course uh, the people who sign up for and buy courses to get to the core of what they want faster, right? And not the, oh my God, I'm looking at 34 lessons that I got to go through just so I can figure out this one thing. You're like, no, I, that's... So there's a lot of how do we help the people who are taking courses complete them more, but also how do we help course creators complete and get their, their courses launched faster. And, and so we we're having those conversations inside all the time. Yeah. It, you, you know, you're hitting your nail on two really critical things that in fact, even expand beyond the LMS world, but you know, the paradox of choice and then, and just friction in general, and certainly the paradox of choice creates friction in and of itself. But uh, you know, how quickly can you get creators on board without dealing with the stuff that it's not that they can't or won't do the stripe, blah, 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 blah. But should they? I mean, that you know. And, and then, on, as you mentioned, on the, on the you know sort of end user side, the, uh, the the learner side, you know, how can I get to the content that I really need right now? Because it's still content at the end of the day that needs to be absorbed. And some of it, you're just going to need more quickly and readily than, you know, be, becoming a domain expert. But, you know, I, I love that you start out with calligraphy because it's such a broad-based thing. I, I don't need to know the... Th- 300 different kinds of brushes. I'll take one. I just need to know how to know, make the letter R. <laughs> Here, here's the hilarious thing. And I, and I don't, I really, I really, really don't want to pick on calligraphy. So, so we, we can pick anything else, but I happen to know, I, I happen to know a lot about headphones. So imagine I created a course um, that was called how to pick the right headphones for you. Okay. And you're like, oh, this is great, and I charge seventeen dollars. So you're not gonna you're not gonna spend an arm and a leg, but you're like, hey, Lemon knows a lot about headphones. He's created this little mini course. I'm super excited, and the first thing I do is I go, let me tell you about the history of how sound has been working in headphones. And you're like, why? I don't care about the history. And then you're like, let me tell you about how. Um, sound reverberates inside the ear cuff and therefore what closed back and open back headphones, how they differ. And you're like, 
Why? Like, <laughs> I don't need to know. Like, we we literally give people far more information than they need to know. And you're like, well, here, I'm going to ask you seven questions about the environments you're in and how you use your headphones. And once you answer those seven, I can not only tell you which is the right one, which kind of headphones is the right one, but what are some uh, actual physical headphones that you might use because of that kind, and also why you don't want to use these others, and we're done. And you're like, that's all I wanted. For $17, if you could fix that and give me that information, that's all I want. And we're like, in the it was 1904, and they were, and you're like, oh no, God, please don't tell me the history of headphones, right? I just, I don't need to know that. And we do that on courses everywhere, right? And and so part of it is figuring out, okay, let's get people to, um, let's equip them for creating uh, the kind of courses that they can get out the door quickly and monetize and and actually see benefit right away. Um, Robert knows my my ladder strategy, but you can always. You can always take a product that's working and make something that is more than what you gave them as a as a up you know a step up up the ladder. You can always condense it smaller and give something down. You don't have to produce the single magnum opus of your course, right? Of your of your lifetime. Um, you can turn it into multiple courses and even create kind of a here's an option. And if you want to know more, like when we watch movies on iTunes, we watch movie. And then at the end of the movie, if my wife and I really like the movie, we go to the extras and we're like, Oh, look at all these. Here's a behind the scenes. If we don't like the movie, it's like, eh, go to the next thing. Like I don't need to know the history and the background and how they decided to fund the film and, and how they convinced the actors to come to the film. And I don't have to know how they did the studio effects for the film. I don't need to know any of that unless I want more. If I want more, I have access to it. And I, I totally agree with you, uh, Chris. We, a lot of times, work with our trainers or our clients that we're building uh, uh, training sites for that, you know, that start small. You know, start small. It's just, I always like, uh, did, I don't know if you ever read, write a book in 30 days, but, you know, basically, you know, the Nano Rymo month is just put everything down. And so we, that's where we usually start with people who've never done a course before is just write it all down. Just write down all the things you could think of that, you know, you would want to tell someone, you know, go as you're going through your day, make little notes, you know, things like that. And so um, I think that as people build up their notes on what all they know, and and people are always like, well, this is, I do a simple thing, calligraphy. Do you know how complicated it is when you really break down any job? It's very complicated. Um, and so a lot of people are like, well, I just, I don't think there's enough, I don't know enough that people would pay me for this. I'm like, yeah, you probably do. And then whenever they start taking notes a week or two later, they're like, Robbie, wow. Uh, this is a lot. I think it's going to be longer than I thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But let's start with just this part. <laughs> so, yes, I totally agree with that. Um, I want to circle back real quickly, too, though, because I think uh, where we were talking about uh, community and cohorts, I think we also have to bring up gamification because I find gamification, one, it plays into the community, but it also still works on an individual level, too. Um, and so, um, I know that uh, Uncanny has some gamification for LearnDash. I don't know if anybody else does. I'm sorry, I, I'm not certain, and I don't. I don't think LearnDash doesn't have any gamification built in direct, does it? I, I'm not certain. So um, the, the the gamification, the, the predominant model for gamification is using one of our partners. Um, so we we you know from the from the beginning in, in LearnDash's um, history, right? We did a lot of letting partners extend the platform and and it it works it's an incredible strategy when you're trying to grow a a product and a brand is you let a lot of partners 
out, go out there and proselytize and, and, and tell people, Hey, look, this is really cool. And we built this extra thing for it. The harder part is the, the, the backlash that comes from that later. Um, and I'm, I'm not saying anything new to WooCommerce audiences is when later someone's like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can do that with WooCommerce, but then you need like four extensions and you're like, right. But those extensions are not used by every single person. And so it makes sense to have them extra, right? And so part of the work with LearnDash was allowing some of these, uh, was in, not just allowing, encouraging um, this kind of, of dynamic and then, and then saying, uh, how, do, you know, how do we do it? Now, LearnDash does have an achievements add-on. Um, and so if you're a LearnDash user, uh, you go into the achievements add-on, you can go into the add-ons and you can find uh, those things and, and you can do that, right? So, so we do have a version, but we also have a lot of partners, um, that have extra stuff too, right? And so, um, Badge OS, I think is one of those. Um, my cred is another, I think there's WP achievements. So there's a handful of those. I won't remember all of them. Um, and by the way, I, I you're right that there are, it, it, Robert and I both came from the Joomla world before the WordPress world, right? And so we we were in the world of where you wanted an extension that did everything if you could. And so you could have the fewest amount of plugins in the WordPress world as possible in the Joomla world. Whereas when switching over to the WordPress world, you do have to get used to, yes, I, I'm, I want LearnDash and then I want to do this. Oh, I need to put in Uncanny Out. Oh, and I want to sell. Oh, I need WooCommerce. Oh, I need a subscription. Oh, I need Woo subscriptions or something. So you, there's a lot more moving parts. And and it did take a little bit of a mental reset for me, I feel like. But at the same token, it, you're right. I don't have to have every plugin out there because I only want to do the certain things that I want to do. And I actually am glad that the plugins I have are not weighted down with too much that I'm never going to use. So, you know, I'm trying to flip my mental uh, perspective on this. <laughs> so, so LearnDash achievements both connect to some of the normal WordPress triggers and then uh, specific triggers inside of LearnDash, right? So if you if you have a user that registers, you can you can trigger that. You can you can go. Oh, if they do this and that, I can I can use those as triggers to to make moves, create badges, deliver all that stuff. But you can also when they enroll in a course, when they complete a lesson, when they pass a quiz, um, those are all triggers that you can use. And so so there is there is some core function. It's not in the core plugin. It's an add-on, but it's free when you buy the plugin. So you can go in and add, if you need achievements, you can add um, that. But you also have, like I said, a lot of third-party players out there that are doing um, that are doing stuff with, with gamification. And I think, I, I think there's really, there's, there are two kinds of gamification um, when, I, when I think about stuff. I think, and, and this, is the, this is the same when I want someone to buy anything and then I want them to use it, whatever. There's the, there's the follow-up that says, how do I, I, I come from the SaaS world, right? So in the SaaS world, what we know is when you buy your account on a SaaS, I'm really looking for the first three or the first five logins, right? And I want to know the delta or the timeline for when you log in three times or log in five times. So in a SaaS, that's how I know I got you sticky. If you buy it and then it takes three months to get you to log in five times, I got a problem. But if I can get you to log in five times in the first week, then I'm in a good spot. So a lot of our onboarding in the regular SaaS world was tied to getting them back in and logging. I don't call that a gamification. 
right? I call that normally onboarding. And so, yes, I'm using the trigger based on you bought or the trigger on based on when you logged in or the trigger whether your user was created or whether you've been enrolled in a course, but I'm not thinking about that as achievements or gamification. I'm thinking about successfully getting you in because if if all you ever do is come in and you see the big setup and you got to go through six tabs and you got to fill in settings, settings, you're, you're not, you're not going to build a course. You're not going to finish a course, right? So our focus mode helps people when they get logged into a course as a student, it helps them actually take the course. That's good. I want them logging back in. I want them making it a habit. I want them turning it into, yes, this is what I'm doing. So I think of all of that as onboarding. And then I think gamification is the longer term play, right? So what happens after you've taken a course, but I got five more courses? Or what happens if you've taken the first three lessons, but I got 23 lessons, right? Then it's all the triggers that help you keep coming back and keep you engaged. That's when I think of it as gamification, right? So I I do break it up. Um, I think partially that's just because of my background with SaaS. But um, so I look at LearnDash and I go, oh, well, the, the early part of onboarding, we got to do some work with onboarding, but also there's some great stuff from um, Uncanny's Automator, right? And the ability to uh, uh, Dopey Fusion's integration to uh, tags inside of multiple um, marketing automation platforms. You, if If you do stuff with marketing automation platforms, and you're not using Dopey Fusion, right? Then you, you got to scratch your head like, what, what's going on? Now, maybe it's because you're using WooCommerce and WooCommerce has a dedicated component into active campaign. And so, okay, that, that's your reason. But for a lot of folks, if you start using Dopey Fusion and it's applying the tags and doing whatever, it's an incredible way to uh, create that connectivity between what you're trying to do and how you leverage your onboarding. Um, and the same thing happens with Uncanny's Automator where you're like, oh, if they do this and they do this, then enroll them in this, send them this, give them this bonus, do what it, right? So there's a lot of workflow that's all non-code, right? And, and so those are two very high-powered utilities that um, WooCommerce and LearnDash customers can benefit from. Hey, Bob WP here, and I'd like to take a moment to thank two of our pod friends for their support of Do The Woo. Yith has been developing and selling WooCommerce plugins since 2015 with more than 2.3 million activations. As a Woo builder, you can count on a single framework that gives you reassurance of multiple plugin compatibility. With plugins for dynamic pricing, memberships, wish lists, gift cards, and multi-currency, just to name a few, they will have you covered for just about any WooShop build. And lastly, their plugins have full compatibility with Gutenberg, Elementor, and all the popular page builders and themes. Check out Yith and their commitment to the greater WordPress and Woo community, as well as their loyal customers at yiththemes.com. 10UP has a stellar reputation in building enterprise WooCommerce sites, but they also have an amazing solution for you or your client's WooCommerce store search with Elastic Press. Elastic Press is powered with faceting and autocomplete that gives any Woo store customers the experience they expect. All you have to do is use the promo code DOTHEWOO at checkout for 10% off your first six months at Elastic Press. 
And now let's head back to the show. Actually, this is going to be to Chris and Robbie because obviously you're both in the space from different angles. But how do how do the brick and mortars who are actually doing things on site take advantage of courseware and learning management systems and find ways to you know expand their current offerings or just you know augment their current offerings? So I think there's a I think there's a fantastic tie-in. So imagine that I went to uh, Guitar Center to buy my son his first guitar. I'm buying a physical product. I'm going to go to the store. I'm going to try several physical products. I'm going to find the one that's right, whatever. Um, but I'm also I could also go to lots of other places to buy a guitar, right? I could go to Target and buy a really crappy guitar. Um, and that's not uh, that's not saying anything negative about Target. It's just that's not where you normally go to get a guitar. But I can go to lots of places. But if I go to Guitar Center and Guitar Center says, hey. If you're buying your first guitar, we want to let you know that as a benefit of buying your first guitar, um, we have created a 10-lesson online course that is self-paced so that your son can teach himself guitar on his own. And I'm like, well, for free? Yeah, just buying the... So now it's not, oh, Guitar Center's making money. It's Guitar Center is convincing me to buy it from Guitar Center instead of Target because Target doesn't have the online course and Guitar Center could, right? And so a lot of times some, I mean, there's there's this mentality that people think, oh, I have to figure out how to make money off this thing. And, and for some courses, that's absolutely right. But for some, the course is the bonus and there's no need to make the money. What you're really trying to fight for is, I'm the place that you buy it at, right? That you choose me over everything else. This is this is what Amazon did against all of its competitors, right? When 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 I was this is early days, right? When I was buying books on Amazon and then they started adding uh watches. And my wife is like, "But there's a jeweler down the street." And I'm like, "Yeah, but you know what? I can just find a watch here and then just buy a watch and then just have it shipped to me and it'll be at my door." And then I start buying televisions, right? And I buy the television and it's an 80 inch television. Oh, I'll just have it uh, bought on Amazon and delivered here. And so literally one store was causing me to not go to a jeweler and not go to Best Buy all because I was lazy and I just wanted it on my doorstep instead of me getting in the car, driving somewhere, seeing what inventory they had available or what they didn't, et cetera. Amazon realized this isn't just about selling more stuff and making more money. It's also about creating the habit that defines choice. Where do I go to buy stuff? And Amazon made it so that most of us said, my first inclination is to go to Amazon, see if they have it. If they don't have it, then I'll go looking for a physical store. You can use physical retail, can use online courses as a way to say, I have these bonuses, they can come alongside and help you. They're post product purchase offerings and they can be courses that teach you anything that you want about the thing you just bought. But the reason I do that is because I'm trying to drive choice. I'm trying to get you to say, I want to buy a guitar center. I don't want to buy a Target. If you're a specialty bicycle store, I want to give you tips on how to, you know, especially if you're buying $10,000 and $15,000 bicycles, I want to teach you how to race. Like I, I just hung out with a buddy of mine from college who has a $10,000 bicycle. And I'm like, that's insane. Now, of course, I have very expensive headphones, so we all have our thing. But 
he's not even like a serious, serious competitor, but he was like, oh yeah, last week we, we, uh, we did 50 miles on a bicycle. And I'm like, 50 miles. Like you gotta be like pro level to do 50. He's like, I'm not pro level. I'm not anywhere near like 50 miles. is Not that big a deal. And I'm like, okay, well, what kind of bike do you have? And he names it. I've never heard of it. And I go, oh, is that an expensive bike? He says, no. I'm like, okay, sorry. Let me back up. How much did it cost? Oh, 10,000 bucks. I'm like, right? Like this is crazy. Um, so if you're a bike shop and you're selling specialty bikes, think about all the different kinds of courses you could teach, all the material you could create that makes people want to choose your store versus a sporting goods store. Then I guess the same question back at Robbie, then how do you, that was great, Chris. Thank you. Um, how do you think about courses then for those kinds of folks? Well, I was going to say, I also, though, just from the, you're talking about the in-person training versus in uh, online training to like, like the personal touch versus that, that what we saw, it was really interesting. Pandemic was a, an interesting time, right? <laughs> Changed a lot. As Chris said earlier, the adoption rate for online training just went out the roof. It's true. Uh, well, not the first month. The first month we all were like, what is going on? And nobody did anything. And then after that, everybody's like, well, I'm stuck at home. I'm going to like buy some, I'm going to learn something new, <laughs> whatever, you know? And so people started adopting that online learning. What we also saw though, from our side is now we, we have books too, right? So we have physical books in a lot of universities and schools. I mean, you know, even high schools, things like that, use the books in their courseware which is normally just fine. They just get the books. They use them with their students. They're doing this all in person, right? Pandemic hit. They're not in person now. They're trying to do this remote. So we had a lot of those teachers that were like panicked. They were contacting us and were like, hey, um, y'all have a video course that goes along with this book, right? Can we make this available to our students? We actually took our um, WordPress Explained uh, course and made it free during the pandemic because we had so many, we had a lot of, uh, you know, very poor school districts that were like, well, but we can't afford anything. So we're like, okay. So we took the WordPress Explain and made it free for those people for them to use. And what we found was then, now, as we're kind of coming back out of things and people are going into the classroom again, guess what? Now I'm getting some interest in some of the universities saying, hey, could you guys come and bring one of your trainers and do, you know, a week here with our students on this, you know, or something like that. So we're actually, so it's kind of weird, right? We went from Used, used to do a lot of in-person training with OS training. Then it was just pretty much all online. Then the pandemic hit and we had even more people come online. But now as we're coming out of it, now we're actually starting to get interest again for in-person teaching. So I think it's I think it's very interesting to see this kind of cycle that's happening here. I don't think that we're going to see any difference in the online, though. I, I mean, hoping we're not going to see any difference. I think we're only going to see growth in the online market. So, you know, I, I asked the question about, you know, the brick and mortar shops, but what about like the purely virtual folks, you know, so the extension builders, the plugin uh, developers, you know, you know, the, the, you know, the community that's actually building into LearnDash or into WooCommerce or obviously WordPress in general, you know, what's, you know, what's that framework for them to start thinking about courses or should they even not bother just word of mouth, Google it, blah, blah, blah. No, I think I think you have at least three different categories of where you can use a course. Uh, the first is the the pre-purchase course that convinces you that you should buy a product, right? So, um, one of my favorite strategies is let me show you how you can do this without buying anything. You can do here are the seven hundred and ninety-two steps, 
and I'm going to show you every one of them in detail. I'm going to walk you through. It's not 700, but it's like I'm going to walk you through the 18 steps or the 23 steps that you can do this. You don't need a product. You don't need anything. I'm going to show. I'm going to give away all the information for free. And and all you've done is convince someone that oh dear God, I don't want to do those 23 steps. Can someone please? do this for me, right? And then you're like, oh, by the way, if you don't want to do the 23 steps, we have a product that automates 20 of the 23 steps. So it's a great pre, pre-purchase offering is a, is a course that gives away everything that you can do manually so that you don't need to buy the product. And most people are terrified of doing that because they're like, oh, then no one's going to buy my product. You're like, you don't understand how much people value their time, right? Nobody wants to do all that work. Then you have right after they buy a product and it's education for onboarding, right? Let me show you how to make the most use of this. Let me help you skip all of the errors that you might make. Let me just get you, these are the three common cases of how to use it. Let's get you configured up and running. When I bought a new camera, I went on YouTube to go, hey, what settings should I have for this camera? The camera has like 18 tabs each tab, and it's on that little screen, but each tab has another 10 options. And I'm like, I don't know what these all are, and I don't know how they cross-relate. So you go on YouTube, you watch a guy, he goes, go here, change this, go here, change that, go here, change that. And you're like, done, 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 okay. Now, a year later, I I, I plugged in the camera to do something, and uh, and it, it, it something weird was going on. And I realized, I changed the, the setting on the top of the camera which lost all my other settings in the menu. And when I changed it back, it was all back. And I'm like, oh, now it looks normal again, right? Like, you, you, you don't know, right, what you don't know. But I'll tell you, most people who sell digital products like a plugin have a settings set of tabs, and nobody knows what all those checkboxes do, right? They're there because the plugin author realized, ah, sometimes I have this edge case. So here's a checkbox, check it off, and it'll solve the problem. But I don't know what that does, and I don't know how it works, and I don't know when to use it or not. So right after purchase, an onboarding course, four, five, six lessons can be very, very powerful because it's like, okay, let me get started. And then I think there's a third opportunity when you push it out a little bit, right? Give it a couple months, depending on how long using your plugin normally takes. You give it a little bit, and then you come back and you go, hey, would you like to make your use of this utility or this plugin, this feature, more effective. There is, I I mean, I'm telling you, having had thousands of conversations about WooCommerce, there is never an end of like, I go, hey, why are you doing that? Well, because that's how it works. And I'm like, nope, that's not the only way it works. Can I show you how to do something that would be better and faster? And they're like, "Uh, yes, please. And you go, okay, let's go here, turn this on. Let's go here, do that. Let's go here and add this extension and remove these things you did. And now it's cleaner and it's faster and it's easier. And they're like, I didn't know that was possible. So you have these things that you could teach two months down the line or three months down the line or six months down the line that says, hey, how to make the most out of this product, how to save yourself time, how to uh, make more money, blah, 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 right? So I think those are three different moments of time and people navigate through that life cycle of using a product. And you can use courses at any of those three spots or if you want, all of them. Absolutely. And reutilizing content too for to do different development cycles like that too. It's always good, I feel like. And and you bring up a really uh, good point too there, Chris, with a lot of people, what they're looking for when they're buying training is just particular needs. I mean, I do it too. You know, I, I'm, 
I know Photoshop, right? But I might not know how to do this particular thing in Photoshop. Now, of course, I, we always go look on YouTube, just like you said. You go look on YouTube and there's probably, you know, some eight-year-old that's going to show me how to do this in his bedroom perfectly. Uh, but um, a lot of times I need even more, maybe more pointed. And so, you know, I'll buy courses on Pluralsight or LinkedIn Learning, things like this. But I want that ability to hop around. And so I do appreciate that LearnDash has less the, the free form for the, the courses because I feel like particularly like a lot of our clients and even our clients that we build sites for their training too. I find that's what people are doing. They don't always necessarily go through the entire course. They are hopping around in that because they're like, I need to know how to set up reoccurring payments or I need to know how to do shipping for this. And so they just hop through the course and watch what they want. Um, but that taking it at that next level, I feel like is when you actually take, you, you've got that course the, the the 101 and they can hop around on, but then taking people and saying, now we're going to build this type of uh, learning course website, you know, for X. And then like taking them through the full process of doing that. Um, no, we still don't make that linear. Uh, but I do know a lot of schools that have adopted the online learning. They need the linear courses because they need to make sure that the students go through every single step in order and things like that. Um, but what do you do? You guys get a sense for what's used more often out there with LearnDash? So I, I think they're all used like we have we have everybody doing everything. So people who are on a dedicated, you got to go, you got to pass level one to get to level two to, you know, lessons one through five, you got to do them in order and you can't get to five unless you've done one through four. We have those and we have people who are like, let me bounce around. I think the core of the question, uh, at least in the way I think about it, is there are skill gaps and there are knowledge gaps, and those are different. And a skill gap may require scaffolding, but it may not. There are knowledge gaps. Those often don't require the same scaffolding. So a skill gap, if I say, I want to help you build a, a um, birdhouse, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to introduce you to a table saw. I'm going to introduce you to a level. I'm going to introduce you to a power drill. I'm going to introduce And you know what? I better sequence that so you don't cut your fingers off. But if I'm talking about a knowledge gap where I go, hey, uh, um, what does this setting do? I don't need to know what you were thinking about when you created the plugin and the history of the plugin and all the other features of the plugin to know what this thing does, right? So... So, you know, when, when you have a knowledge gap, you in, unless you're trying to get a PhD in some material, in which case you need to know the history of everything, but a knowledge gap, and, and this is where we get confused, right? When, when you're creating a course, we think that everything is a skill gap. And so we want to scaffold all the learning. Like you need this before this, before this, before this. And they're like, ah, time out. I just want to know how to configure my camera to not make beeps. Oh, go to this tab and this tab. Check this box. Done. Knowledge gap averted. We're clear. I don't need anything else. Knowledge gaps don't require or don't often require the same kind of scaffolding that that a skill gap does. And so I think you ought to shape your course based on whether you like what kind of gap you're trying to solve. And unfortunately, the the people out there who are selling you how to create your course and six-figure courses and da, 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 they they all have one model and so then they teach you like this is what you got to do. You got to do and I'm, I'm like 
Nope. Because if I come at it from the perspective of the learner, if I just have three questions I want solved, I would love micro lessons that are super small. I can go, that are named correctly, not like, you know, you know, Chris and ice cream. I don't want that title. I don't know what that is, right? I, I I don't want an inside joke that I have to listen to the whole thing before I figure out the title. I want, you know, adjusting the volumes that come, sounds that come out of your camera. Okay, click. It's three minutes. Show me what I need to know. That's a knowledge gap. And if I can get in there and get out, I'm happy I paid the money, right? Because I got what I wanted out of it. Awesome. Well, I'm gonna. We're wait. We could talk all day with you, Chris. But uh, so I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna ask one final question, and it's kind of to both of you guys, especially because I think you both have the background for this question. And that is, we do know if we're running a Learn Dash site, WooCommerce, and all this. This is a pretty hefty site, and the more and more students we get, the more hosting becomes important. And so I know both of you guys know a slight little bit about hosting. And so what would be your top like few recommendations that you would say, if I want to run a training, online training course website, what should I be looking for in a host? So um, unlike, unlike other websites that are running on WordPress, uh, online learning is something that requires uh, people to not always have a cached uh, environment, right? And so it's not a brochureware where you can just cache it on, on the server. You can even cache it on CDN and then just replay it over and over and over again and be done, right? You don't have to hit the resources. You don't have to make database calls. You don't have to have PHP doing work. A brochure is super easy to manage. When you're talking about online learning and every person's logged in and every person is making those queries and calling that stuff, you end up in a situation where you're like, I need, uh, you know, I, I need infrastructure to, to help keep this live. Um, a lot of people get confused and think, oh, what I need is more RAM. I need more CPU, whatever. Um, it's not actually the case. Uh, if you put a, if you put a box and if you spin up a box and you have 64 gigs of RAM, that doesn't change your website and how much RAM a, a specific request calls. So imagine I have, you know, I have 64 uh, lanes on the highway. But if it's three in the morning and there's only you and it's only one car, I can't be in all 64 lanes. I'm going to be in one lane. So all the 64 lanes don't do me any good, right? I can only go as fast as my car goes. And if my car is a beat up old car that can't get above 50, it doesn't matter how wide the lanes are. So we like to think about RAM. We like to think about CPUs and CPUs are important. But what you got to remember is it's, it's what the size of the request is, right? Which is when you click on a page and you're pulling stuff down, it's it's that request. And the fact of the matter is, is how many requests, right? So you're making calls to third-party stuff. You're doing JavaScript calls outbound. You're doing calls back to the database. All of that depends on the theme you're using, the configuration of LearnDash, the configuration of third-party extensions that get pulled in at the time that you're loading a page or a lesson. So all of that is at play. So every person's deployment is different. The theme you use, the third-party plugins you have, the configuration that you've set up with all those, all changes the number of requests and the size of the requests. But once you understand that, then you need uh, any hosting environment. You need to make sure you have enough ability to handle parallel processing. And parallel processing is the same as when, you know, if, if you were walking through Walmart and you were shopping and filling up your cart and you got to the checkout stands and you saw 40 checkout stands, but you only had two cash cashiers, you're standing in line. 
and you're standing behind 10 other people and you're waiting and you're waiting because there's only two cashiers. doesn't matter that there's 40 cash registers. doesn't matter if someone walks up to me who's an employee of the store and says, hey, do you want a bigger cart? And I go, no, I don't need a bigger cart. I need another cash register opened up. And they go, hey, 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 do you need a credit limit increased on your credit card? You're like, nope. I just need another checkout stand opened up. Get me a cashier. They go, oh, when you get to the other side, do you need a bigger van? We can rent you a van. You're like, I don't need your disk space. I don't need your RAM. And I don't need necessarily a a much more uh, beefy server in terms of CPU and, and nodes. What I need is more PHP workers or more child threads. If I can do more concurrent work, now that's assuming that the server has the resources for those threads. But if you go if you go to an airport that's big and you're going through TSA, you know that what you want is more lanes, more gates, right? And the more people you have, that's awesome. But if you go to a very small airport, right, and you go to TSA and there's only two gates on the other end, but they get paid anyway. So all of a sudden you have six agents and you're only seeing like one person walk through every hour. You're like, this is a very expensive proposition. So PHP, you know, uh, PHP workers is one of those things where you go too much you're going to spend money that you don't need, right? You go too little, you're going to see everybody lined up. And so the real trick is, it doesn't matter who you host with, the conversation you have to have is about concurrency. And if the person on the other end of the line doesn't have a clue what you're talking about and they start telling you, well, we do caching so you don't have to worry about concurrency, hang up the phone and call someone else. And you keep calling until someone on the other end of the line goes, Oh yeah, totally. We understand what you're doing, right? When we when we designed, I was part of the team that designed the managed WordPress for Liquid Web. We started immediately only building a platform for online learning, uh, membership sites, and uh, e-commerce. And we did that with high throughput for you know multiple child threads because we said you can go get all the other stuff, all the brochureware sites, and all the other hosting and all the caching. You can get that from lots of players. But when you get a 100-person membership site, WP Engine at the time would tell you, yeah, we don't do that here, right? Um, Kinsta would tell you, uh, yeah, you can't do that on the $30 plan. You need the uh, $1,000 plan, right? And, and so we designed a platform that was specific for high concurrency on non-cacheable sites. But there's nothing magical to it. Um, it's a max child threads line in your Apache config. I mean, it's not the end of the world, but you need to make sure you have the resources and you have everything else uh, connected to it. So that's my answer of how you solve it without telling you where you host. You can host anywhere. Just make sure you're talking to someone really good about it. Chris is 100% right because every host does their own thing differently. I mean, probably 90% of the people here know that you could just go to AWS and try to roll your own environment. And the questions that you need to ask are, you know, how vertically scalable and how horizontally scalable. So vertical, that you know, that's the checkout line. How fast is that one checkout person, you know, using Chris's metaphor, can get through orders? And then horizontally, how many lanes are open? And that's that's all what you're trying to figure out all the time. And different hosts handle those questions very differently. I mean, to, to be as polite but as honest as possible. And, and, and some want to jam it all through a single pipeline and others don't. I mean, that's, it's as simple as it gets. Um, so, you know, think about LMS hosting and Chris mentioned this as well. It, it, it's very, very similar to WooCommerce hosting. 
you're, you're not going to be able to jam stack your way out of it. You're not going to be able to, you know, headless your way out of it in a lot of cases because there's so much back and forth about, you know, progress, time you've spent in a lesson, uh, you know, all this interactive stuff that can't be cashed or cookied as easily as we'd all like. Um, so I'll spend only those 30 seconds to just say that, yes, think about how fast a single checkout line can go and how many checkout lines you can have. And you can get into the weeds, but if your host doesn't understand those concepts in the first place, then you're going to be SOL. And that's it. <laughs> awesome. No, I I mean, uh, I know from my own experience as well as with our clients, hosting is is a key, key decision there. So um, I appreciate that. That was a great definition, Chris, to explain PHP helpers and such. I, I really, I like that. And, and I hope that our audience, whether they're doing a Learn Dash or, or an LMS of any kind, they're probably doing WooCommerce. And WooCommerce, it's, it's just, it's imperative. It's imperative for your hosting. So where can we, uh, where can we find you, Chris? ChrisLemon.com and uh, at ChrisLemon on Twitter. Those are probably the two fastest ways to, to find me. Sweet. Um, well, Chris, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, you know, like I said, we could probably talk all day here, but I mean, we do have other work to do. So <laughs> we probably should go and do that. But thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. You guys take care. Hey, everyone. Bob WP here. And thanks again for tuning in to today's show. I'd like to give one more shout out to our two pod friends. No matter the need you may have in your next WooShop build, Yeth has you covered with 100 excellent plugins at yeththemes.com. And make sure you add that powerful search to your client's site with ElasticPress from 10up via ElasticPress.io. And of course, you can always stay on top of all of our episodes by subscribing to Do The Woo on your favorite pod app. So until next time, keep on doing the woo.